This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for iPhone, iPad, iPod, Android, Kindle, Windows Phone, plus Mac or PC. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. Follow well, standard orbit, Mr. Chekhov, and take a seat. I said. You will obey. It is the word of Landru. Joy to you, friends. Welcome to Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated show about the original Star Trek series. This is a show where we delve into the characters, concepts, cliches, and other things that don't start with C about the original series. My name is Drew, or Landrew. I'm the TOS editor for the network, and with me is my co-host Mike from Commentary Track Stars. Happy New Year! Yay! 2014! Yeah. Well, today we're going to talk about a character, so we'll go back to our general C's. And uh, this one, it's not going to be one of the main characters, uh... It, it's going to be uh, someone who was only in, what, the first eight episodes? Someone who should have been one of the main characters. Someone who should have been the main char- one of the main characters. Someone who obviously was planned to be Janice Rand. Mm-hmm. Yeoman Janice Rand. Yep. So far, my favorite part in These Are the Voyages is uh, reading that Grace Lee Whitney... Uh, the Yeomans were always wearing the same outfits that all the, the guys were wearing in the pilots. And she's like, look... Put me in a miniskirt or something. I've got these incredible dancer's legs. You have to show them off. So, Grace Lee Whitney is actually responsible for the TOS miniskirt. God bless Grace Lee Whitney. (laughs) I don't understand. Because you assume, you know, I'm sure that you assume that it's, you know, Bill Theis or or, uh, Gene Roddenberry. But, or some, you know, sexist man. No, it was, it was... It was Grace Lee Whitney. Yep. Yep. And that uh, her and Nichelle Nichols would have battles on who would be showing the most leg. Mm-hmm. And so that's why you can basically see Nichelle's underwear when she's sitting behind Kirk most of the time. Awesome. <laughs> Janice Rand. She's, uh, if you're not sure which character she is, she's the, the one in the red miniskirt with the beehive hairdo, mm-hmm. which I was relieved to find out was wigs. With the basket weave thing going on in it. Yeah, the very interesting basket weave. When you think of TOS women's hairstyle, you think of Janice Rand. She's the one who uh, brings Kirk's reports to sign and makes him coffee with a phaser. Mm-hmm. Like when the there's one episode where the power's minimal, and so she heats up coffee for everybody with a phaser. Like that's that's impressive. It is. You kind of wonder what the lasting effects of that would be. I mean, people are concerned <laughs> about using microwaves now, but whatever. I Phasers must be safer than microwaves. Clean energy, right? Yeah, it's gotta <laughs> be. But what what's interesting is that uh, for being just a random yeoman or what should be a random yeoman. Uh, she was in all of the promotional images, probably cause she's attractive, but also maybe because, uh, the writers wanted to use her as uh, a kind of 
not a foil, but but an interest, something that that keeps Kirk grounded, like like maybe a representation of the crew, because we we see the ship all the time, and to have you know this crew member, this yeoman, I think maybe that's the real reason they wanted to keep her around, and also because she's attractive, and uh, you know Kirk can maybe flirt with her a little. Because we all love watching Shatner flirt. Yep. I'd flirt with Shatner. Anyway, um, it, it is kind of interesting, and that's something that uh, none of the other Treks really have, is uh, the idea of a crew member who is not part of the senior staff, a crew member who is uh, representative of uh, the the average uh, officer, you know, or not even officer, enlisted man or whatever, you know? Um it's kind of weird. I mean, you see glimpses of that, you know, in other places, you know, probably most famously lower decks and next generation, but for that to be like a constant presence is never really there unless you count say checkoff or something like that. But, you know, which I guess you could come to think of it, but you know, it, it would be kind of cool to have a character who's just like, look, this is what it's like for us grunts, you know, down on the the, the lower decks. <laughs> um, but that, that kind of went away. And and the idea of, of having, like, someone, a, a love interest or whatever for Kirk, and and not, not like, a, a love interest in the sense of a, a girlfriend, but a love interest in the sense of someone who's, you know, kind of like Money Penny for uh bond you know i was just trying to think of like it's like um i can't <laughs> yeah. think of it yes exactly right that would have been a really interesting dynamic to have and it is an interesting dynamic to have in the um what how many episodes was she in i'm not i don't remember Memory. not very many not nearly enough well, what i like about her is that Janice rand is not just a Oh, Captain, save me! Kind of, kind of person. She can hold her own. Like the the, she's innovative with the the phaser, uh, heating the coffee. Like she befriends Charlie X when when Charlie's on board. He's this creepy little teenager, and he obviously has a huge crush on her, and she still takes him under her wing, and you know shows him around the ship and. Even even after all that, and then you find out all about his powers, she's still standing up for him and standing up to him. And he, when he finally just freaks out, and he breaks Spock's legs and all this stuff, and he's just like, Janice, I want you. And she's like, nope. And he makes her disappear. Like, you know, had she died right there, she would have died standing up for her principles. And I think that's, that's great. And I'm sure that's not something that, that, was prevalent in the 60s. You know, a strong, independent woman who's, you know, standing up to powerful, godlike children. Okay, maybe she's the only woman in the 60s who had the opportunity to stand up against powerful, godlike children. But, you know, there may have been others given the opportunity. But for, for the record, she was on eight episodes of the original okay, series. Okay, right. And uh, you're right in that, you know, that, that was some, some interesting stuff. And it... It, it's unfortunate that she didn't have a chance to uh, expand on that and see, you know, and, and give us a chance to see um, 
how that character would have uh, grown over the course of the series. But that little glimpse that we have is kind of amazing. You know, I mean, like, if you were to show me the first, you know, 10 episodes of the original series and say, okay, what, what list the cast in order of uh, importance, you know, I'd be like, Kirk, Spock, McCoy, Rand. And she's yeah. just gone, you know? And that's unfortunate. Yeah, we'll get into the reasons, the the rumors and the actual reasons why she left. Think about uh, Kirk, Enemy Within. We've got evil, drunk, you know, passion Kirk. And he comes to her and he's just like, I want you. And she's like, no. You know, mm-hmm. I know you're the captain, but no. And even when he, like, tries to force himself on her, she's fighting back. She's not... She's not passively doing... She never passively does anything. Yeah. Rand is all about no, and then taking action. Mm-hmm. She's which apparently, I think could have been a great role model for... Yeah. She's apparently the only one on the ship who thinks that, because even, uh, I think it's Spock at the end, was like, you have to admit, Yeoman, that uh, the evil, rapey Kirk had some admirable qualities, right? You know what I'm talking about? And she's <laughs> just like, ew, get away from me. <laughs> that, <Poor> Janice. <laughs> yeah, that episode was a little weird, you know, and, and I know that, that she's not a big fan of that episode, I think, for that reason, but um, it's bizarre. Bizarre stuff. But yeah, um, you, you know, and and it's it's weird that that in the various incarnations and stuff like that no one has ever sort of latched on to either the character itself or the qualities that the character has because it seems like it it's such a sort of you know like grand slam in terms of concept and everything to just get rid of that is very bizarre like i can't believe that we don't have a replacement rand you know, someone mm-hmm. who would have stepped in and and filled the role that she was um, uh, um, providing in those first few episodes. You know, to have, I mean, from just like a marketing standpoint, you'd think they'd be like, oh, we, we should totally have more um, hot women on this bridge. But then also from like a character standpoint, you'd think that they'd be like, Yes, we do want this dynamic for Kirk. We do need this, you know, this this money penny esque uh, uh, thing. I like, no matter how you look at it, whether it's from a business point of view or from a creative point of view, I, I don't understand why they wouldn't bring in someone like this. You know, basically a Rand like character, even if they did want to get rid of Grace Lee Whitney, which it sounds like they didn't, but you know, whatever. It's it's very strange that they would just abandon this concept. Well, one of the reasons that they were, one of the rumors that they were, why they wanted to uh, get rid of her or why she disappeared is because the networks didn't like the idea of Kirk having a, a, a steady love interest. They wanted him to be the swashbuckling, you know, womanizing Kirk that the that the cliche is which is interesting that the networks wanted him to be the cliche he eventually became <laughs> so there are hints that that they they have affection for one another and not just you know rapey rapey <laughs> bad things 
in in balance of terror uh the romulans are shooting energy beams at the enterprise and for some reason the energy beams take 20 minutes to get to them so everybody has plenty of time to like brace for impact and rand braces for impact against kirk and kirk holds her back like in not holds her back but like holds her also and that's that's interesting that that on the bridge kirk would be he knows that he needs to comfort her whether or not she is the love interest or the representative of the lower decks if i were on that bridge and i needed to brace for impact i would totally grab kirk totally <laughs> yeah you would i'd grab rand you grab Rand? All right. Yeah. Well, different strokes <laughs> for different folks, I guess. But I uh... guess so. <laughs> also, in Naked Time, uh, when Kirk finally gets uh, infected, he starts rambling on about the ship and how beautiful his yeoman is, and he can't touch her because mm-hmm. it's not proper. And then at the end, he like sees her on the bridge as he's you know still coming down from the high or the sobering up and he like kind of reaches for but then like you know pulls back and says you know no beach to walk on he can't this is the life that he's chosen and he can't have some of the things that he wants and rand is at least subconsciously something that he he desires but he knows that he can't have yeah which would have been very interesting to play with you know every time kirk's drunk (laughs) <laughs> Every time Kirk's drunk, he goes after Rand. That's interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Now, I mean, like what you were saying about the the studio, you know, and their their um, supposed reasoning for getting rid of her being that, uh, you know, she she would be a constant love interest for Kirk, and and you wanted Kirk to be, you know, the womanizing what have you. Yeah, you that to me totally reeks of cover story. And I mean, it doesn't make any sense, you know, because we've seen the dynamic in those early episodes. It's not like they would become a couple. It would really be a money penny thing, you know? Yes, there's this 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 uh this guy who goes off and he, you know, hooks up with millions of aliens all around the world or galaxy or whatever it is and um the whole time right the 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 one woman who he really wants is the one who's standing next to him on the bridge and he can't have her you know that's a a, a great dynamic and you can have both of those things and they don't contradict each other they they uh they support each other and it would have been amazing and they totally dropped the ball. I agree. Another love interesting kind of thing is in Miri when uh, she finally gets the disease, the Grupp disease, and she goes to Kirk for comfort. And Miri sees this and can plainly see that they care about each other. So she kidnaps Rand and freak Kirk freaks out. Of course, he's being affected by the disease too. So he's kind of drunk. <laughs> And here he is, you know, yelling about, you better not hurt Janice. I need her. And it's another very telling thing that 
you know, he called her by her first name and stuff. There's no, he wants to break down that wall, but he can't. And it's, it's so good. You know, the, the first eight episodes with this dynamic that, that it's, it's missing. And then in like the ninth episode that they did, uh, dagger of the mind, I don't know if it was the ninth episode, but the script is originally written that Janice was the one that was going to go down, that they were going to implant in Kirk's mind that he had uh, given into temptation with her during a Christmas party. And that would have changed the whole dynamic instead of like, hey, you psychiatrist lady, we hooked up, didn't we, at a Christmas party. <laughs> Which is embarrassing. Mm -hmm. And very embarrassing. <laughs> you know, you, you look at those first 10 episodes or whatever, you know, and, and uh, ba basically before Gene Kuhn shows up, you know, when, when this, the story editor was uh, John D.F. Black or, or, you know, and, and the, look... I love the stuff that Gene Kuhn has done, and I think probably some of the best episodes of the show were the ones which uh, Kuhn, you know, wrote himself and, and produced and everything like that. And, the, you know, Trouble with Tribbles, Arena, I mean, both of those, I mean, those are my two favorites, and they're, they're both Kuhn episodes. But whenever I, I, I kind of, like, look at those first few episodes, those first ten episodes, I kind of wonder, like, if John... D.F. Black had been left in charge of that show um, and, and hadn't had studio interference or maybe even Roddenberry interference or maybe the Roddenberry interference kept up the way that it was keeping up. I kind of think that it would have been a much more cohesive and ultimately better show. Like those early episodes are not as good as some of the later ones, but I think like, if you look at where they were going, I mean, look at all the other shows. The first 10 episodes are never that good. And the first 10 episodes of the original series are some of the best of the of the series, you know? I wonder, like, if there was an alternate reality where, where John D.F. Black stayed on that thing and Janice Rand stayed on that thing. Like, is it possible that the original series would have been even better? It's hard to tell. Yeah. Like uh, like we discussed in the Spock episode, you know, it's it's entirely possible, but it you know the changed dynamic or the dynamic staying the same in this case, we could have changed everything. Like yeah. uh, I'm imagining that, I think I see where the networks may have been coming from. I can imagine, you know, scripts being submitted, every script being submitted in slash fiction between uh between Kirk and Rand. <laughs> and eventually they'd publish one and then it would be canon and then they could never go back from it. Yeah. And that level of continuity is dangerous. Mhm. Mm in the 60s. Mhm. Mm it would be like the Ross and Rachel like when you're watching a repeat of friends, you you never know if they're you never know if they're together or apart and for a half hour comedy that's insane, but for the 60s it would be even worse. It's the moonlighting problem. Mm -hmm. It's the Picard Beverly problem. It's there's mm -hmm. a lot of examples, even in Star Trek. Yeah, the the Janeway Chakotay problem. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to go to to the journey, <laughs> there you go to the journey. 
So we've we've danced around it long enough. Why did Grace Lee Whitney leave? Now we've heard there have been several different rumors. Um, she had a drug problem and needed to go, or that uh, she. Uh, I'm pretty sure that I read that uh, Gene wouldn't stop hitting on her. Gene Roddenberry. Yeah. And or that the network forced her out because they didn't want uh, the love interest kind of thing to sully their cliche Kirk they wanted to create. What 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 according to Mark Cushman and these are the voyages is the real reason. Well, you know, I mean, the the way that 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 Mark wrote his book or whatever, he's he gives everyone a chance to tell their side of the story, and you know what the real reason was. Who knows, you know, but the thing that does seem to be clear based on memos and everything is that at least from a production end, you know, Roddenberry and and everyone else, no one wanted her to go. It was a network decision or, or, or maybe a studio decision. I think a network decision to get rid of her. And, uh, from the creative end of things, everyone involved was upset by that. If it had been up to Roddenberry, and I think if it had been up to, uh, well, definitely, if it had been up to Whitney, um, she would have stayed. So why she left, who knows for sure. I mean, there's definitely a lot. They go they go into it a lot in, in the book. You know, Mark goes into it a lot in, in, in the book. But, um, you know, I, I don't think we'll ever really know for sure. But the fact of the matter is no one wanted her to go. And that, to me, is a shame. That not not that they didn't want her to go, but that she ended up having to go. You know. Well, there there is kind of a bright side. She does. Uh, Janice Rand does reappear in the movies. Yeah, she's really randomly good as an extra in various scenes. Yeah, always with different ranks and with different <laughs> jobs. She she just kind of wanders through the galaxy. She's like, oh, I can't do this anymore. Let me try transporting. Oh, yeah, I'm not in, good at transporting. When I'm in the transporter room, Vulcans end up dying. Inside, uh, inside out. out. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, let's try communications. Oh, when I'm in when I'm a communications officer, whales probe things come and disrupt communications or whatever i don't know what she was doing in that movie oh let's look at the the ship flying into dock where it's going to be decommissioned oh no the thing is going to be stolen and not decommissioned and then it's going to blow up it seems like whatever she touches just you know turns out badly <laughs> you know well she did serve on the excelsior in Star Trek VI, she was the communications officer. So at least we have – she went true. from transporter chief to communications and yeah. stayed with communications for a bit. And she also got to be in a Voyager episode. The So uh, so the pattern in, continues. No, to the hey, journey. To the journey to, to the journey. to the journey. journey. To the journey. All right. Sorry. That was a joke. That was a joke. Charlene and Tristan, Laurie. In flashback, she's like the, the character they – the uh, – Tuvok and Janeway have the most interaction with. Mm -hmm. And uh, they knock her out and steal her uniform for Janeway to wear <laughs> for some reason because suddenly the fl Tuvok's flashbacks can see that Janeway's there with him. I don't fully understand that episode. We'll have to have a crossover yep, where yep. Uh, 
where Tristan and Charlene explain to us what? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here's the thing about that, that the, the Star Trek six thing and her uh, being on the bridge. First off, I think it's, it's awesome that they did that, you know, cause it's like, finally, yes, let's give her something, you know, substantial to do, or at least as substantial as we can. And since this is the last voyage of this crew and everything like that. And then also just sort of like the whole Sulu thing where it's like, yeah, I mean, like he knows her, they hang out, they do botany together and, and everything so he's like hey you know when when, when i become the uh, the captain of my ship and i need a communications officer i'm gonna get her because maybe she'll bring seymour with or, or whatever i don't remember or was he he the one maybe he'll take care was of it? seymour seymour's right. there somewhere right but his name was seymour it was beauregard beauregard okay there you go beauregard's <laughs> there somewhere but regardless <laughs> seymour <laughs> I don't Seymour's know. the big plant. Feed me, Seymour. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. And the plant was Audrey, so never mind. Okay. So so, so, so I, I do love the fact that she's on that. And um, I really, really hope, because it kind of, I find it weird that she's she isn't in these new movies, but I've always said that my, my speculation, I'm standing by this, is that when the new show comes out in 2016, which I think it will, it will be an Excelsior show, with Sulu as the captain of the Excelsior. And when that happens, they better have Janice Rand on that show. Otherwise, what's the point? Amen. Well, I've had fun talking about Janice Rand today. I think we should do it again sometime because she's just that awesome. But this isn't the only thing we've been talking about on Trek FM. So here's a taste of what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.FM, Standard Orbit. <laughs> Romulans on TOS. To be fair, maybe their visual communications were on a different codec. Maybe the the original Earth ships were using Skype, and mm -hmm. the Romulans were using Google+. Earl Grey. Generations with Standard Orbit. And again, I don't know if Mike and Drew would say that Kirk is at his best or not. N no, he's not. But Chekhov, Chekhov is on point. <laughs> <laughs> the Ready Room. Affliction and Divergence. Yeah, the other interesting thing about that, though, is to compare the Klingon ethics with the Section 31 ethics, right? Because mm -hmm. there are, like you said, there are some groups within the Klingons who maybe don't feel exactly the same way. But then yeah. there's this group within the humans who feels completely different. And you kind of wonder what the Klingons think maybe about someone who wouldn't do this. The orb. Implications of genetic enhancement. There's just a danger that you're going to become like the lower rung of mm -hmm. society and only the people whose parents have the money to enhance them are going to be those who have good lives to the journey voyager season two marathon so he starts searching frantically for clues as to what happens when this small rock gets thrown at him so he kind of ducks pulls out his phaser gets ready and another stone comes flying through and guess who's throwing it it's got to be the monkey. Of course it is. Thank you. Commentary, Trek stars. The 4400. You're describing a scenario in which we watch something and laugh hysterically <laughs> that people all around us, everyone we know, will watch us react to this in this way. And they would say, what is wrong with you two? Warp 5. Xenophobia and the Coalition of Planets. Justification in his mind is that the Vulcans were observing us. Mm. They knew the war was happening. Mm. They didn't do anything to stop it. But, you know, it really wasn't the place of the Vulcans 
to step in and stop World War Three. Literary treks. James Swallow, the Poison Chalice. Everybody in this story is dragged into a situation they don't want want to be in, and that's kind of where the the title, the Poison Chalice, originally came from. Is the idea that you know Riker is given this promotion, which uh, on paper sounds like a really great idea, but it's a poison chalice. You know, it, it turns out that it's not what he thought it was, and in fact, you know, he's being dragged into something that he doesn't want to be involved in. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows and get in on the daily Trek talk. You'll find them on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Windows Phone, Xbox, Zune, or you can stream and download files from the website. Just visit Trek.fm slash PD for podcast directory to get all the links. So let's tell everyone where they can contact us if they want to share their thoughts on Janus Rand or Star Trek or anything. You can go to Trek.fm slash contact. There's a form there. Choose to send a show and choose Standard Orbit. That'll come to both of us by email, and you can use the tab on the right-hand side of the page to send us a voicemail using your webcam's microphone. Give us your impression of uh, you know, Janice Rand, and your impression of her as a character, or your impression of Grace Lee Whitney. Uh, Either way, whichever. I'm fine with it. And then you can uh, talk to us or other listeners at our forums at trek.fm slash forums. In social media, you'll find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm. And on Twitter under username, trek.fm. Mike, where else can people find you outside of the Standard Orbit? Oh, you can find me um, slightly outside of Standard Orbit on trek.fm still, uh, doing commentary Trek Stars with my friend Max. Uh, and you can also find me on commentarytrackstars.com where I do commentary track stars off topic with Max and our friend Brandon or you can find me on Twitter at comtrackstars or on commentary frackstars coming soon coming, to an audio podcast near you coming really freaking soon man <laughs> <laughs> well you can find me on Twitter at 005 D-O-U-B-L-E-O-F-I-V-E and uh, you can find me on various other shows around the Star Trek network, as I am the TOS editor. And uh, maybe you can find me on Commentary Frack Stars or CTS to One. Definitely on CTS to One. Both of our theoretical podcast shows, the CTS to One uh, about uh, aspect ratios. Mm-hmm. It, it's thrilling. This is the problem that I have. I, you know, and I've, I've heard other people say this before too. It's like you come up with a title for a podcast and you're like i want to do that just so that i can use the title and i have now thanks to you jerk three titles that i need to use and i don't have time to do any of these podcasts what's the third one the third one is one which i wanted to call commentary track stars from the very beginning which was analog track one <laughs> which goes back to laser discs because you know on laser discs you had the digital tracks and the analog tracks and, you know, they would always put the audio commentaries on Analog Track 1. So we'd call it Analog Track 1 with the tagline, audio commentaries can be found on Analog Track 1, which is what it says on the back of every single Laserdisc. And, like, two people would have been like, that's the most amazing thing ever. <laughs> but Max wouldn't let me do it because he's like, everyone will think we're just talking about technical stuff. That's true. But I... If you go to analogtrack1.com, it'll take you to Commentary Track Stars. Just saying. You, you bought, Hell you yes, the I domain? did. Hell yes. Oh. Co- copyright me again. 
fantastic. And now I need to go off and buy commentary frack stars. Thank you very much. All right. Before we go, we'd like to ask you to please support our sponsor, who makes it possible for us to bring Standard Orbit and our other shows to you each week. Our sponsor for this show is Audible.com. Audible's a great way for you to read all of the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have time for. Audible is the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers, Audible has something for everyone. There are numerous classic TOS books on Audible, as well as some of the all-time favorites like Prime Directive and Federation. As a Trek.fm listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a 30-day trial to see how great Audible is. So give it a try today, catch up on all those classic books you've yet to read, or that latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trek.fm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trek.fm, and we thank you and Audible for supporting Standard Orbit and Trek.fm. Also, if you would like to personally support Standard Orbit the network, and our programming, visit trek.fm slash donate. We have eight alien-themed badges and art prints as a thank you for your contribution, and you can mix and match badges and art prints. There are different levels of donation to choose from, and your contributions help us cover the cost of productions, storage, and bandwidth needed to bring Standard Orbit and our other shows to you every week. So that was Janus Rand, at least the first time we talk about Janus Rand. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think we can talk about her again sooner or later. But, uh... Yeah, missed opportunities. Missed yeah. opportunities. Probably the biggest missed opportunity in all of the original series, if you ask me. Agreed. Well, everybody, thanks for listening. Have a good week and keep on trekking. It is the will of Landrew. Mr. Chekhov, take us out of orbit. Ahead, walk factor one. Hi, sir.